Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm inspired by the Spirit of God to share with us a very important aspect of the Christian life. In our journey of walking with God and learning and unlearning, you know, we change and transform ourselves or are transformed as we receive the word of God in truth and in meekness. And as that word continues to work in us, we have had experiences where people think that there are certain things that you're going to go to a man of God and he's going to cast out of you and then they'll leave. And uh, some people have put aside many hours and days of prayer over certain things that have failed to change. And unfortunately, these things have continuously failed to change because some of these things do not exist in the prayer realm. I have already shared that. This is an important aspect, but there are also things that are existent only in the realm of knowledge. The Bible says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so some things, we have to put them in the knowledge realm. Yes, you can go for deliverance to an apostle or a pastor, a prophet, pray, you know, go for overnights, cast out certain things. And sometimes the things we're dealing with are not actually our real challenges. The things we are dealing with are representation or are simply a manifestation of deeper things. Some of the things that we are praying against or about are as a result of certain things. And sometimes God wants you to take your eyes from that thing that you're praying for. So he would help you see the real challenge. Because if you deal with it, then you're free. It is like having a, a rat in your house and it's dead, right? And the flies are flying through and then you're spraying, 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 spraying these flies to die. Until you get rid of that rat, you're not going to get rid of the issues of flies. And so we have people who are praying against flies with, you know, dead rats in their own houses. So sometimes it helps us go down to the root and foundation of things to see and understand through the eyes of God what is our real issue. And as you continue to learn, that is why if you study people who have sat around the world for so long, they usually produce more results than people who only pray. You know, they are people who just only pray. They don't know the Bible, they don't know truth, they don't understand the principles and patterns of the Spirit, they only pray. And I've seen people who have prayed until they died. And some people think prayer is wrong. No, prayer is not wrong. No, but it is prayer and reading of the word. The perfect balance. Somebody shout hallelujah. Today, I have come to talk about the spirit of pride. It is a very hidden spirit. And it is the one spirit that I know has been or is responsible for the challenges that some people are going through. Some people don't have... A spirit of struggle in their lives. They're not dealing with strife per se. No, strife or struggle is simply a result of the spirit of pride. Now, as I'm sharing, I don't want you to raise your head and start thinking of, hmm, 
who fits in what apostle has said okay who fits in this now what you're supposed to be doing is everything that i'm giving you put a light on your soul and then examine yourself whether some of these things that i'm going to share match you because there are many people who are very proud extremely proud but they do not know that they are proud they do not know that they are what that they are proud so tonight i want to help you discover you know i'm going to give you a sort of litmus test to examine yourself against the things that i'm going to share and then you tell me whether you are living or have been having ounces of pride in you or not because if you don't deal with this the bible says in proverbs uh, the 16th chapter the 18th verse the bible says that pride goeth before destruction and unholy spirit before fall pride goes before destruction so when you study the hebrew translation for the word destruction it means being brought to nothing it means being brought lowly it means being broken it means being shattered it means being crushed so he says pride goes before a crush it goes before a shattering a destruction a brokenness or a breaking so when the bible speaks of a wholesome tongue as a tree of life but the pervasiveness therein is a breach in the spirit the word there breach is also destruction you know when the bible speaks of people with a broken spirit and what is the representation of a broken spirit especially it is the life of sorrow when you want to understand somebody walking or living with a broken spirit you look at individuals who are always living in sorrow and sometimes that sorrow is not necessarily caused by imminent experiences of that time do you know there are people in the world who wake up sad they wake up sad they don't have a reason why they're sad they wake up you know so broken so when the bible speaks of a brokenness when the bible speaks of that destruction that breach of the spirit he says you cannot be broken or brought to destruction or your things cannot fall out of line without pride so pride is one of the major not only but one of the major causes of destruction in our lives or living a destructive life or seeing destruction in our lives some people are broken in their marriages some people are broken in their businesses and careers some people are broken in their body the bible says that a spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity but a wounded spirit who can bear who can help who can aid who can succor when a man has a wounded spirit or a broken spirit nobody can help him yet it is within the spirit of a man to sustain every manner of weakness so some people are struggling financially because of pride some people are struggling emotionally in their relationships because of pride some people's marital destinies have failed some people have even failed to settle down in marriage and relationships because of the spirit of pride and we're casting out the generational curses that are following them from their families families great grand grandfathers yet the bible says that if any man be in christ is a new creation behold the old is passed and now the new is here and all things are of god all things are of god who has reconciled us back to himself and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation somebody shout hallelujah some people's career are broken because of pride 
Some people's ministries are dying because of pride. And they're going on prayer mountains and fasting for 60, 70 days or 100 days and the whole year. And they don't seem to see answers because of pride. Some people's dreams are shattered because of pride. Inventions and innovations, ideas are frustrated because of pride. And many people don't know what the spirit of pride can do to them. The Bible says in Proverbs, the 11th chapter, the second verse, when pride cometh, then cometh shame. Some families are under shame because of pride. Some individuals are under shame and reproach because of pride. Some ministries are under shame and reproach because of pride. You're born again, you're speaking in tongues, you know, you're fasting, you're giving, but people are asking, where is your God? How come your marriage is out of order? How come your finances are out of order? How come your children are out of order? How come your ministry is out of order? How come your dreams are out of order? And when you examine yourself, many of us are dealing with pride. It is hidden. We don't know how. We don't know how. In Psalms 138, the sixth verse, the Bible says, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, which are the humble, but the proud he knoweth afar off. What does that mean? That you have a relationship with God, but he seems far from you. You are talking with God, you relate with God, you are a believer in Christ, but God feels far from you. He knows you, you know he knows you, and you know him, but he feels far. He does not feel close to you. That means you feel frustration in designing the presence of God and working with its power. And if you see those things in your life, perhaps there's a place of pride in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, the 23rd verse, he says, a man's pride shall bring him low. A man's pride shall bring him low. It brings you down. Some of you, every day you're going down. Your life is going down. Your ministry is going down. Your family is going down. Your career is going down. Your business is going down. Why? Because you are living and walking in the spirit or under the spirit of pride. And you do not know that you're dealing with pride. Brethren, there are certain things I've said you won't fix by going for a prayer. There are certain things you will have to come to the knowledge of and consequently respond to them and deal with them in yourself. Examine. Like I said, the things that I'm going to share tonight are not for you to look at which brother, which sister suits this. They are for you to put a light in yourself because even I, God, has dealt with many, many years ago with this. And when the Lord showed me these things, I did not look or point a hand at anyone. No, I put a light on myself to examine and see that these things are dealt with. You know, the scripture says, and this is something I've seen a confusion, especially in, in the dispensation of grace where we preach the grace message. That sometimes we don't understand the wisdom of grace. So Paul brings a conversation and he says, you know, let us judge ourselves that we might not be judged. What does that mean? Yes, the Bible says, for there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus for the law of the life-giving spirit in Christ hath set us free from the law of sin and death. It's true. But you see, he has also spoken in the very, very breath and he has said that let us judge ourselves, lest we be judged. You know what that means? It means that even though you're a New Testament believer, sometimes you have to allow the light of the gospel to shine on your soul and weigh you against the truths of God and for you in your heart to see and admit that your flesh has not gotten to the place where your spirit man is with God. And 
if we judge ourselves, it says in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says we should not be judged. There are people over the years that I've seen have been led into destruction and death because they did not judge themselves. New Testament, grace message. Yeah, Paul is the founder of the grace message. He laid down the foundation. Okay? But when he laid down the foundation, that does not presuppose that we can build anything on that foundation. He says, take heed how you build. And here he's trying to tell us how we should build. That even though we're grace preachers, we're saying there's no condemnation, we don't impute sin on men, but we impute righteousness. We're not supposed to judge men because the grace of God is given unto them. You know, the righteousness of God is revealed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God by faith in Christ. Yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely through the redemption which is in Christ. That's obvious. But when you start living a personal walk with Jesus Christ, you learn to judge yourself. This should be judged. What does it mean to judge yourself? Some people live a life of weakness and sin and they do not go to God to allow them to deal with them or even recognize it. See? Somebody, you know, hurts their spouse and then they say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. But she's hurt. He's broken. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ because you're under grace. You see what I'm saying? No. The Bible says judge yourself and you don't be judged. Why? Because when you don't deal with some of these things, you're opening doors of certain things to come upon you that will judge you. You remember the men Paul hands over to death? That for the destruction of their bodies, their souls might be saved on the day of redemption because he saw by the Spirit that these are not men which judged themselves. And if they continue that way, they are going to be destroyed. So he says, you know what? Let's hand them over. Let them fall sick. Let them die. Let them go to heaven. These are men which had refused to judge their own selves. Sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, you know, Father, I thank you because I'm your righteousness. I believe that you forgive my sins, present, future, and whatever. However, I admit that in my flesh, there's still an issue here. And I judge that issue and say that this is wrong. This is wrong. And I decree and I declare in the name of Jesus that that is not my portion for that is not my nature. I walk in the newness of the spirit. That is the person judging. Doesn't that mean to say I'm stupid, I'm fake, God, no. I'm saying judge the issue within your flesh, the weakness of your flesh. Judge it and say this is wrong and I admit that this activity in my life or you know, sexual sin is wrong. Deal with it, God. In my flesh. For we know your spirit is born of God. And that which is born of God does not commit sin. For you know the seed of God permanently abides in him. You're born of the incorruptible seed. Which is the word of God. He liveth and abideth forever. That's your spiritual man. But your flesh. Your carnal man has his woes. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you have to be able to judge. Not by saying I am wrong. I'm a thief. But by really saying this. Which is working in my flesh. Is wrong. And I admit its wrongness. And I thank you oh God. Because I'm above. This, for I shall not be brought under the power of sin, for I'm under the power of grace. And I'm not under the activities of the law, but under the dominion of grace. And so because of that, I'm walking out. That's judging a matter. People have died. One time a young man got to the deathbed, and they called me to pray for him. He was dying. And I laid hands. He was in a coma. And I prayed. And the Spirit of the Lord told me he did not judge himself. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. Under the grace dispensation. It's born again, yes. But the Lord told me, 
you cannot change the life of a man who has refused to judge himself. I mean, to admit a wrong when it is wrong. You understand what I'm saying? So, even in this, the light is on you, not anybody. So, I'm going to give us seven signs of the spirit of pride. Number one sign of the spirit of pride is a haughty person or haughtiness. H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. What does it mean to be haughty? Haughty means having or showing arrogant superiority to and disdain of those one views as unworthy. You start to demonstrate an arrogant superiority and disdain of those who you think are lower than you are and unworthy than you are. Because the challenge of pride is when it discovers self-value, which is okay, Sometimes it has no wisdom of understanding that the rest or others as well have value too. And that's the challenge of pride. See, not every word called pride is wrong. Okay, we have people who are proud. He says, if you do something beautiful, and your father says, I'm proud of you. Okay, I'm not talking about that pride. Oh, I'm proud of myself, you know, because I have studied this and that. No, to discover your value is a beautiful thing. That's not wrong. That kind of pride is not wrong. But it is a problem when you think that because you have that kind of value, you develop an arrogant superiority and disdain or disrespect for everyone else because they don't match to your value. That's the beginning of haughtiness. In fact, the Bible says somewhere that the Lord hates a haughty look. Do you know that there are people who live with a haughty look besides the attitude? Some people have a haughty attitude. Some people have a haughty look. Huh? I think some of you have seen it probably around in people in ministry or in life. You talk to somebody and they look at you with these eyes. They get you with their eyes and look at you up, down, and then they flip you and then throw you back and then bring you back. That's haughty. Have you seen people who look at people a certain way? Somebody walks in and then they, they look at someone like, they're even unworthy to be in the same room. They don't match their standard and class. Do you know I know people who cannot even greet some individuals in life because they feel that they are not worthy or they're not in the class of who to greet? They bypass them. Even when they know you, they'll bypass you and walk away. And then if they find a worthier person, they will humble. Hello, how are you? Good to see you. And then you have a record, oh, this brother, this sister, they're very humble. Every time they find me, they greet me. No, they only greet you because you belong to their class. The day they ever go higher, or the day you ever go lower than their expectation, they'll not greet you again. There are people like that. The Bible speaks of the six things that God hates. It's called a proud look. Some people are haughty. Some people behave that way. That's just their life. You talk to somebody, you're correcting them, and then they look the other way and they're like, some of them even add words. Ash, don't talk to me. Who are you? Some parents are fighting with children. They don't know where their daughter or son got it from. But the boy or girl has an attitude so stinky. That's the same brother who is believing God for a certain promotion to be placed in a place to serve men. That's a very girl believing God for a husband. With that attitude. Believing God to raise children with that attitude. What kind of seed would she plant in them? Don't do this. 
You know, I've seen haughty parents as well. Don't go there. Those are cheap. Don't do this. Those people don't belong here. You know, every child who comes from a family that is poorer than yours, they're either stupid or fake or they're they are yobs. So you always disqualify everybody that is not in your class. There are people. There was one time I was dealing with some individual and I could see how she looks at people. I could see how she behaves around people. Greet this individual and they say, I'm not going to greet them. No, no, no. You're not telling them to greet them because the other person needs their greeting, but because it's common courtesy. They don't know that that's a seed they have sowed in the spirit. And that same individual thinks that God is going to place them in a high place. How many would they destroy with that attitude? They look at people like they don't belong to their lives and class. They look at individuals like they're not worth anything, like they're the most special thing that has ever existed. It happens in families. It happens in tribes. There are certain tribes that think that they are more superior than other tribes. It happens in ethnic groups. They feel that they're the wisest and everybody else is nothing. I know a tribe somewhere in the west of Uganda where the rest are people and the rest are animals. So why do they do that? It's haughtiness. It's a proud spirit. It's a proud spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Jeremiah 48 verses 29. The Bible says we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is exceeding proud. His loftiness and his arrogancy and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. The haughtiness of his heart. The Moabite is haughty in the heart. And the Bible says he's exceedingly proud. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's one sign. The second sign. Some people are hot-tempered and contentious. Some people did not know. Some of you are going to discover today that a very hot-tempered person, people are always hot-aired or hot-tempered people who get angry very quickly are usually proud people. And contentious. They're always arguing over things and they seek to win in every argument. Because for them, it's not the realm of reason. It's the realm of being fast and winning. The Bible says in Isaiah, the 16th chapter, the 6th verse, we have heard of the pride of Moab. Again, they're talking about Moab. He is very proud even of his haughtiness and his pride. And the Bible now adds another word. And his wrath, anger, and his wrath, his wrath, Somebody shout hallelujah. Anger. His wrath. That's a very serious thing. Somebody shout hallelujah. But also the Bible adds some cold lies. People who are full of deception, who lie a lot with their tongue, are actually proud people. So if you find yourself when you're a serial liar, and some people are serial liars. We started with some. Who are serial? Serial. Serial. I know preachers who are serial liars. <laughs> I served for many years with men on pulpits who are liars. A guy tells a story and you know that's not the truth. But there's nothing you can do. Praise God. But you see, that is a representation of the spirit of pride. So hot-tempered people, you know, their heart is hot-tempered and contentious. Proverbs 13 verses 10, only by pride cometh contention. Only by pride cometh contention. Contentious and tough or tempered. There are people in the world, eh? you can even tell them, how are you? And they say, why are you telling me how are you? What's wrong with you? You understand? Eh? But boss, I was just saying hello. 
You mean you are just saying hello? They start reading within lines that don't even exist. They draw imaginary lines. You understand? There are people who are like that in life. This is how they live their lives. I know a guy who started weed many years ago. <laughs> One time I walked into class like this and I just looked at him and my eyes stayed on him for like four seconds. I was walking, but you know those things which just happen naturally. You're, it's somewhere in Sultan. Somehow your eyes lock on somebody, not because you're looking at them, but because you're thinking of something and your eyes sort of has locked in that angle in your thought. The guy stood up and says, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me? Eh? I've never done anything to this guy. We've never quarreled. We've never had a fight. Never eaten his food. He's never eaten mine. We don't even cross paths. We sleep in different dormitories. But the chap cuts a wire. Why are you looking at me? You understand? Do you know there are people who are easily snapped? They are angry always. They always express wrath. They don't know. They can't calm themselves down. Until they punch or do something, you understand? They will pursue their anger on you until they have their score with you. But behind that anger, sometimes, is the spirit of pride. Did you know that? Somebody shout hallelujah. The third, Psalms chapter 10 verses 4 speaks of the wicked who through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. And God is not in all his thoughts. And he's saying that proud people usually are not seekers of God. Some are born again, but they're not seekers of God. Some are born again, but they don't carry God in their thoughts constantly. And God says that is pride. Why? Because every time you replace the thoughts of God, usually the next thoughts that come really are of the self. Every time a man does not have the thoughts of God in him, that man has the thoughts of the self in him. And that selfishness always desires to put you ahead of everyone and everything, even God himself. That's why the Bible speaks of the pride of their countenance, their appearance, their representation. Somebody shout hallelujah. So if you examine yourself and you're really struggling to be a seeker, some of you, your life of prayer is so down. You have tried praying. Apostle, pray for me. I'm so weak in prayer. No, for them it's not a season. Every year they are weak in prayer. They can do everything except prayer. They can watch a movie for two hours, but they cannot pray for 30 minutes. You understand? They can do an activity, any activity of three hours. They can sit in a conversation of drama for like four hours, but they cannot maintain a 10 or 20 or 30 minute prayer. If you examine yourself and you're struggling to pray or to keep God in your thoughts, brother or sister, maybe you're dealing with pride and you don't know it. The self overrides the thoughts of God. The Bible says he's held in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee for he doth trust in thee. There is peace when a man's mind is kept on God is set. In fact, the literal translation there is the mind of the man is set or stayed on God because it trusts in him. If you want to know that you trust God, not only believe in God, faith to believe, trust is personal. Believing is general. You believe God can heal the sick. But if you're going through a sickness and you trust God to heal you, that's personal. That's the difference between faith and trust. Faith is generic. Trust is personal. Somebody shout hallelujah. I believe that God can change anything. Yeah, that's true. But do you trust him to change you? 
So when the Bible says he's held in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee? If you read that from the Amplified Version, he says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace, whose mind both has its inclinations and character stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leans on you and hopes confidently in you. You see, the mind is constantly inclined and its character, the character of the mind and its processes are inclined toward God. That man is in perfect peace. So if a man's mind is not constantly on God, that means there's an absence of peace. And so there's people who say, I don't know why I don't have peace. Yet the chastisement of your peace was upon him. And you, that spirit that is making me sorrowful, that is taking away my peace, I rebuke it. You took away all that could frustrate me at the cross at Calvary and the chastisement of my peace was upon you. Yes, I received my peace. And then you start to fight to receive what is supposed to be available for you through faith. And sometimes the mind is your mind is not stayed on God. And the fact that your mind is not stayed on God is actually saying you are proud, you just don't know it. The more humble you are, the more inclined you are in thought and character before God. Somebody shout hallelujah. You will find yourself humbling more and more to his will. The word somebody who cannot, you know, meditate on the things of God. A person is proud in a way. Why? Because they actually in the back end think that they can actually do without him. They don't have the consciousness of how much they need him. Yes, it could be in the mind, but it's not a revelation in the heart. And God says, that is pride. The fourth, cursing and deception. Cursing and deception. People who speak words that are cursing and people who are deceptive. I spoke about lies, but I want to give this issue of deception its own number because it is deep. <laughs> In Psalms 59, the 12th verse, if you read the Amplified Version, the Bible says, For the sin of their mouths and the words of their lips, let them even be trapped and taken in their pride and for the cursing and lying which they utter. You see, they are proud, and because they are proud, they are cursing and lying. Okay, they are cursing. Do you know there are people, they are Christians, born green Christians, who have very foul tongues. You're born again, you love God, but, you know, sometimes you hear a word coming out of you. Even you, you ask yourself, where did this word come from? You know? And most of those words come when pressure comes. If you want to test the man, wait for a time of pressure. Eh? I'll never forget one individual one time who told their friend they had a disagreement. They were believers. And then this person looked at their friend and told you, do you want me to show you my true colors? Ah! Then words started coming out that were really the true colors. Your true color is supposed to be a color of love. You understand? But how can a Christian have a foul tongue? Recently, somebody sent me a video clip of a pastor. A pastor with a big following. And the man was speaking words out of his mouth. Even an unbeliever can't speak. Even a non-believer. Do you know those things eh, that a pastor can start speaking and you put your hands on the ears of your child? Eh? But this is a tongue-speaking individual. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you find people with a cursing tongue and a lying tongue, eh, 
this is its own point. A lying spirit. One time, a wonderful man of God, friend of mine, went for a conference. Very notable name in Kampala. Big, big name. And so he went for a conference. And then <laughs> he preached and preached and preached and preached and then came back. He was in a certain nation. But little was known to him that I actually knew the church that he went to later. So anyway, I asked, ah, so how was the meeting? Oh my God, I saw miracles like I'd never seen before. Limbs grew, blind eyes opened, you know, tumors disappeared, things fell off people's faces. In the presence of God, man of God. Say that. A tumor fell off a woman before our eyes. And the lamp started walking before our eyes. I'd never seen that anointing. When I'm here in Uganda, it doesn't work. But when I was there, <laughs> the red light went on. The spirit told me, this guy is lying. I looked at the man of God and I said, ah, praise God. So later on, this very church had contacted me for a preaching engagement. <laughs> so I visited the church. And I'm not the kind who goes to ask, uh-huh, Wama, when this guy came that time, did this happen? No, I'm not that kind of man. But it says, God would have it. He wanted me to pick this. Very interesting. It was, God is so humorous. So this guy opens a conversation with me. Say, oh, you know, there's a man of God who came here and then he tells me the name and this is the guy who I'd met. But it was so disappointing, my brother. <laughs> As with somebody else in the same we had moved as a group. So one person was with me. And I know this wonderful lady. She's the kind who must ask. <laughs> she says, uh-huh, what happened? This guy says, nothing, nothing. Not even flu. Nothing happened in that. Nothing. So, see, in my head, I went back now in question. Ah, no miracle. Nothing. I was so disappointed. I was so, so disappointed. And God is telling me, no, I allowed this for you to just see how funny people can become. So he gave me a wrong account of what happened in his ministry. I know ministers who used to lie from the pulpits over miracles. I know I worked with many over the years. You go, you pray for a lame guy and the lame guy walks and this guy comes on the pulpit and like one day after two or three weeks away, he goes on a conference somewhere and then he doesn't know that you're probably going to get that preaching. And then you hear him testifying of that event, narrating it. This time he removes you out and then he puts himself there. <laughs> and people get slain under the power of the Holy Spirit as the man of God is testifying the power of God. I fear people. Praise God. That is a spirit of pride. Obadiah 1 verses 3, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Not only are they deceptive, but they are also deceived. People who live under the spirit of deception are usually proud people within. No man with a humble spirit can fall under the sways of deception. The Bible says they are deceived and thou will dwell in the clefts of the rock whose habitation is high and thus saith in thy heart thou shalt bring me down to the ground. He's asking a question. So when he speaks of people who are also deceived, have you been around people who you think this person understands the message? They are with you over the years and you think, oh, this person really understands the word. You see how they're serving God. See how they're dealing. And then tomorrow they come out with some random deception. You're like, eh? You mean with everything that you have learned 
you could actually twist and misinterpret the scripture and make it say what it's not. So perhaps they, you know, are reading from somewhere or, you know, studying other ministries or watching things. That's why I tell people when you start, you know, submitting to ministries, don't mix your seeds so much because some of you are not even yet able to discern what is true and what is fallacy. And if it finds pride, deception comes on you. You find somebody used to believe in giving and tithing, they're disqualifying it. Somebody used to believe in prayer and fasting, they're disqualifying it. Say, but, but that deception, oh no, they're not just deceived. Tell me, ask yourselves, why was this person deceived? How could they be deceived after all they knew? Oh no, brother, open your eyes. They were dealing with the spirit of pride and that pride opened the deception. And when they are deceived, they also start deceiving others or misleading others. Usually, that is a spirit of deception. Now I'm entering dangerous zones. That's number five, right? Isaiah 28 verses one. War to the crown of pride. Now this is called the crown of pride. This one is called the crown of pride. He says to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower, which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. What is overcome with wine? Addiction. Addictions are as a result of pride. Sexual addiction, drug addictions of any matter. If you have something in your life that you see is consistently an addiction, you can't do without it. Usually some people rebuke the addiction or the act of addiction, but many of them are not able to examine themselves. From whence did I fall into pride? And God is giving an example of a crown of pride. These were not just proud, but they even have a crown. And it speaks of men which are drunkards in Ephraim. And not because they drink wine, but the Bible says they are overcome with wine. That means they are addicted to the bottle. So when you're seeking help to be delivered from any form of addiction, drug addiction, any form of addiction, aversion, pornography, masturbation, and all these kinds of things, many a time, examine yourselves on the issue of pride. If you search yourself, you'll find it. And if you deal with it, this will leave. That is why some people have prayed and fasted, born again, doing all these things right, but they have failed to walk out of certain addictions. They serve God, they love Him, they know God, but they have failed to walk out of certain addictions. And when you start and examine, you realize that there's a spirit of pride underlying. Um, number six. First um, Peter chapter 5, verses 6. Well, the Bible says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Did you hear that? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in what? In due times. What is the next thing there? In fact, there's a full column. Right? Let's first look at that punctuation. There's a full column. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. There's a full column. Meaning, what's following after that full column is the sign of a man who has learned to humble himself. Now, this is dangerous. Next verse. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares. <laughs> Glory! Now, if you want to know that you're proud... Look at how much you have carried your burdens instead of handing them over to God. If some people think to be proud is just to walk haughtily. No, some people, they walk so humble, but they carry their burdens as well. 
Do you know the power of casting all your cares upon God? Casting your cares upon God. For he careth. If you are dealing with sickness, you're dealing with a long time sickness, and then you say, you know, I'm so worried that this sickness will kill me, it will destroy me. Now today I'm choosing to cast it to God, to give it to God in prayer. And then you give your sickness to God in prayer. That means you should never worry about it another day in spite of its continuous pain or frustration. The power to say I have given it to God and I'm not going to pick it again is humility. But you know what happens to some people? <laughs> After they cast their sickness back to God, Two hours or one day later, they go back and pick it and still carry the care. The care of it. The anxiety of it. The Bible says, who of you by worrying can add a cubit of stature on your life? You can't. You can't. But do you know what it takes to cast your cares? To cast your cares upon God. To tell God that I have had this issue with my child. I've given it to you and I'm never going to come back again for it. It doesn't matter how crazy this boy continues, I have given him to you. That's a person who is humble. Praise the Lord Jesus. But sometimes the expression of pride is when you are able to cast things to God and then later you get them back to you. Or some of you even refuse to cast them to God. Then you start carrying and seeking to fix things in your own strength. Things only God could fix in his infinite wisdom and power. And some of us don't know that we're dealing with pride, but it is pride. It is pride. Many of you did not know. Because you don't do all the rest of the things people do, but for it is light. And he says, learn of me. That means when it comes to the releasing of your burden, it's a teaching. Learn of me. It's a teaching. He says, learn of me for a meek that is humble and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your soul. When you find yourself restless over certain things and anxious over certain things that you're praying but you're anxious, you're praying but you're restless, you're calling everyone, you're seeking everyone, you're not rested. Ooh, pride. Pride. Because it means you don't trust God to deal with it fully. You feel you have a part on you to fix. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. And that leads me to the seventh thing, which is very connected, but slightly different. If you want to know a proud person, see what they tell God after they fall. Father, I know I fell in sexual sin, but I promise that I will never do it on your own strength. On your own strength. So what is the seventh point? The seventh point is the place where we seek to make vows or commitments of God concerning our change without leaning on his grace to change. Without leaning on his grace to change. He made vows and commitments to God to change something without leaning on his grace to change. But in promising from your ability and power. Oh... If you look at yourself, some of you, and examine yourselves, you're going to realize how many times you have told God, now this is the last time I'm doing it, God. In fact, God, if I do it, kill me. Then you find yourself in the middle of that scene. Then you look up and say, ah, yeah. Don't kill me. 
But I promise, eh, this is the last one. This is the last, last of the last ones. Never do it again. Praise the Lord Jesus. He says, let him that sinketh, that he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. It doesn't mean that we cannot stand, but it's a problem when you think, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, that you can stand on your own strength without the grace of God. And you will find yourself falling and falling. Huh? Apostle, one girl came to me, I messed up, I slept around, I got pregnant, I even aborted, and then I went to God and I told him, God, I promise, I will never sleep with another man any day until I get married. <laughs> I burst out. Why? Because how did she get in that problem in the first place? She was a Christian. She knew what was right and wrong, but she did not have the power to walk out. What makes us think that by committing herself to God again and saying, I will never, without understanding the grace of God that takes you out of sin, you can come out. You can't. Examine yourself and see how many things you've promised God. Oh, I will tithe again. And no, no, no. And then you fail again. Oh, no. I'll never speak these words again out of my mouth. This time, eh, God, mm, if I do kill me, and the people who get so radical, you understand? If you do this for me, I will do this for you, oh God. I'll give everything. And then God does it. Now, eh? God, huh? how do I? You understand? There's a pride. There's pride in you. Why? I'm not saying that there's no place of confessing that I walk out of this and I decree that I will not walk into this again. There's a place of confession. But that faith only works under the ministry of grace. When you disqualify yourself from the ministry of grace, you can never walk out. And that's why sometimes the most honest, most honest prayer is, God, I find or I found myself in this, but I want to pray that by your grace I may be upheld never to walk this path again. That's true repentance. When you acknowledge the grace of God, if you walk on that, then it's okay for you to say, I will never do this again. I'll never do this again. But in a faith that is upheld by God's grace, Every time you disqualify the grace of God of your life, you are in trouble because you think or you are deceived then to think that you can do it on your own and that is not possible. Somebody shout hallelujah. And to leaders now, when Paul is instructing Timothy in the things to take heed of when we are appointing people, somewhere in the third chapter, the sixth verse, he warns us not to appoint novices, or spiritual babies, least being lifted up with pride, they will fall into condemnation of the devil. Sometimes it also goes, now this is a voice to leaders and ministers. This helps the pastors. When you examine somebody and they exhibit many of these signs, help them, even though they are gifted, first help them walk this journey and deal with some of these things before you appoint them. Because to God, it doesn't matter how gifted they are in word or in action, they're still babes in the spirit. They're novice. And that pride will sprout out one day, and the Bible says they will fall into the condemnation of the devil and will be destroyed. There are people I know whose lives are in destruction and delusion or derision because somebody appointed them pastor when they were not pastor. They were dealing with things that were not yet dealt with fully, and this person out of their selfish, you know, heart, I know pastors who appoint people so they don't lose them in the ministry. Let me appoint this guy because he has money and he has a good job and he speaks good English. 
And if I don't, I know that I'll lose in the ministry. I know many boys and girls who are appointed by people. I know, and they were not supposed to go into those offices. Look, five, six, ten years, they are all destroyed. They are scattered. Some even don't go to church anymore. But they were ordained as pastors. Some of them don't even serve God. They lost faith in the church. The problem was not the church. No, somebody appointed them where they could not belong. You're putting this person in the front line of ministry, but he has anger and wrath on his life. And somebody ticks them a little and they flip and get frustrated. And then when they hate, they disqualify Jesus Christ, the cross salvation, the pastoral, the ministry of Jesus Christ, the fivefold ministry, the anointing, submission, accountability. Everything is fake. The challenge is not them. The challenge is maybe you appointed them in a place they did not have grace for. A minister cannot be so quickly angered. I met a guy who has one of the biggest collections of William Seymour, the guy behind the Azusa Street. He says that William Seymour had a sort of character that was not easily offended. He was not a man you could easily offend. You could offend many times, but he would not get offended. It's not a man who could carry anger. So some of these things are not dealt with. We're losing our people in the church of Jesus Christ because we do not know what to do. So I know people, some of them were made deacons. They're not even in church now. They're drinking. Why? Because you appointed them in places. They, come on, they were dealing with a lot. So that's why we are slow to appoint. The Bible says, do not hastily lay hands. Somebody shout hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Can you raise your voice and thank God for what he has spoken to you tonight? We receive every word that you have spoken to us tonight. And we receive it with love and meekness, knowing that you are dealing with us as individuals. And we don't seek and we will not point fingers on individuals, but we will point fingers and lights on ourselves to see that you help us walk out of deception, out of contentions that will not carry our burdens, but that will cast them and to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we ask you that we'll not walk in haughtiness of any manner. God, help us be seekers of you and many other things. Deal with our hearts and examine each one of us. And I ask everyone listening to examine yourself against the light of this truth. And if there are things that you need God to deal with, ask him to deal with them on your life. And I thank God that we are walking out and that we are walking free in the mighty name of Jesus and that you're going to receive all that God has positioned for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. If you're there and you have never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. Just repeat this words after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.